give him praise right now if you believe he's the answer you need. Lord, we love you and we need you. Our world needs you, Lord. We declare that our world needs you right now. Lord, our prayers that you would engage our world. We thank you that you aren't a God that's far off, but you're a God that's at hand. You said that you would send your spirit and that you would actually live in us and walk amongst us and that you would be our God and we'd be your people. We thank you that you actually said that we would grope for you and find you and that we're, we're your offspring, we're your children and that we, we actually live and move and have our being in you, God. Today we live and move and have our existence in you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Lord, that you are the hope of the world, but you're also the hope of, of our world, of our homes, of our hearts, of our minds, of our mindsets. And Lord, we pray that you would come in and change our world so that we could change the world. Father, so we know that it starts with us. And so we just say, we give you access to our hearts and to our minds. We give you access to this moment in life, Lord, this moment in time. We thank you, Lord. We know if you would, if you would change us, Lord, we're open to your change. If you would change us, the world could change. Father, we declare that you would change our world today, each of us individually, so that so that the world around us could change, Lord. We thank you, Lord. If we, if we change our world, the world changes. We pray that you're on the scene of everything we need. We thank you that you've already got the future in your hands. You already know what we need. You've already settled yesterday. You're here with us right now. And Lord, tomorrow's already lined out. We just thank you for every bit of fear or worry or concern or anxiety to pass away and that we would put our life in your hands in a new way. In Jesus' name, come on, everybody, give praise to the one that is the hope of the world this morning. It's good to see you in the house of God, giving your heart to the one that can change your world. Look at somebody and say, your world's about to get rocked before you grab your seat. God is into changing your world. So often we pray that the world would be changed, but unless God changes your world, the world will never change. And so... My prayer today is that God continues to change my world, your world, and um, just mindsets and, and thought and patterns and, and just what he wants to do. I pray you'd open your heart up today. I think God's really going to speak to us today. I, I, next week's going to be a, the culmination of our Holy Spirit side effects series, and it's going to be a great week. We have water baptism next week, so maybe some of you want to take that next step in water baptism. We've already had 10 people give their life to Christ today. Come on, everybody. 10, 10 yeses to eternity. And... Uh, Water baptism is just that next step of obedience. So maybe many of you walk with Christ, or maybe today might be your day to make that decision. But, but the reality is our decision for Christ is very private. Um, we ask you to close your eyes, bow your heads when we ask people to show their hands for a decision to say yes to that, to that faith life with Jesus. But, but the walk of faith is very public. And so um, we, in baptism, that's kind of our way of going public with our faith, and we believe it's very biblical. And so um, I call it the wedding ring of Christianity. It just says, like, I'm taken. Like, you can't touch this. Come on, somebody. Uh, I, I am God's, and uh, I'm married. This is a wedding ring. And so baptism is just that I'm taken uh, public declaration uh, in your faith walk with God. And so next week's an amazing week if you'd like to join in. And then we're going to change our service up a little bit next week, and we're going to have prayer time at the altar, uh, finishing up this series on the Holy Spirit. How many of you know I'm really praying for and believing that um, anxiety and fear and depression and oppression and things that try to uh, clothe or cloak us, even as believers, come on, a lot of times uh, as believers, we have the same amount of as, uh, anxiety as the world has. 
And why? I mean, why do we have the same amount? It's because, not, not because we want more stuff, it's because we want to control all the stuff. And so, we, it, you know, if you're trying to control tomorrow, you're going to have just as much anxiety in your life as, as you would uh, a non-believer unless you give it all to God and let him control your life. And so I think next week, Holy Spirit, I'm believing for miracles. I'm believing for healings. We're believing as a team. Our prayer team's going to, we've been fasting and praying all this week. And so our prayer team's going to be in the end of service next week. Please, if you know somebody that needs free, come on, maybe your neighbor's got that demon, you know, he's angry. <laughs> You know, bring, bring them to church. Maybe, maybe somebody you know in your family is oppressed or needs freedom. I think freedom is going to be here, and it's named Jesus. He, he, he's going to really do some amazing things next week, so we're going to finish the series with that. And uh, we um, also have a big, huge block party tonight. You guys heard about that. Come on, we've got 1,000 pumpkins. Everybody ready for some pumpkin pie? It is a vegetable. Um, and so we got, we got pumpkins tonight. Bring your friends. Bring your neighbors. This is going to be a great community outreach. Um, jumping into this uh, next part, part three of side effects. We've been in a series on the Holy Spirit and looking at the side effects of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not power. He has power, but he's not power. He is a person. And um, it's important because we will not build a relationship with power. We build a relationship with a person. And so you, you personalize a person. And so I, I want you to understand, last week we talked about the power of God. I love the power of God and the gifts and the miracles and all those things. We need that. But I think there's something more foundational than all that when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And I want to look at that today. I was kind of convicted this week about that. And um, I think it's important. The Holy Spirit, we looked at first week, uh, Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 2. Paul says, no eye is seen nor ear is heard. So perceptual knowledge. You cannot perceive more about God unless the Holy Spirit shows you God. You can't, it says, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has stored up for him. So you can't conceive conceptual knowledge. Perceptual knowledge and conceptual knowledge cannot learn God. And, and, and many have tried to study God to learn God. You cannot learn God from, from studying the scriptures. There's people that study the scriptures their whole life to disprove God, to prove he doesn't exist. So, so studying God is not the way to, to get the understanding of God. You need to study God. Yes, study the scriptures. But it only happens through the power of the Holy Spirit that opens our heart and reveals who God is to us in every facet of who he is. It's got to be by revelation. And Paul goes on to say that. It's not by ear or eye or heart concepts, but the Holy Spirit has revealed to us the things that God has in store for those that love them, love him. So, so there's this revelation knowledge. Holy Spirit wants to actually reveal things, things that are covered up to you, things that are right around you, wants to reveal. And then he wants to give you information, personalization, that how this deals with your life, like very personal, your thoughts, your mindsets, your attitudes, your habits, your fears, your tears, your cares, your job, your relationship, all about you. He wants to make it personal. And then he wants to give you the information you need to travel that road to destiny, the details to get to destiny for your route. And he, he does that by revealing these things and then gives you the spiritual ability to walk it out. We looked at that week one. You can check that out online. Last week, we looked at the power of God and some of the things the Holy Spirit does in our life. I want to look at Romans uh, chapter five, one through five today. This actually uh, is a foundational book, uh, the book of Romans, amazing doctrines, amazing, amazing foundations that Paul gives us all through the book. It shows us our stance uh, as enemies of God before we met Christ. It shows us our separation from God. It actually explains the wrath of God in the planet. Um, the wrath of God in the earth is not earthquakes and hurricanes and fires and tornadoes. That's not the wrath of God. Uh, the wrath of God was poured out on the cross on Jesus, all of God's wrath, all of God's anger. God's not mad because he did that to Jesus. Come on, everybody glad that God's not mad at us. 
But Romans does talk about there's a wrath of God in the earth still. It actually is this, that God has his hand on humanity and people want their own way. And God's like, please don't do that. Please don't go that way. Please don't go that way. I got a better way for you. But then God's like, okay, if you want it, you can have it. And it's actually God removing his hand of restraint on humanity in a certain way where they just get what they've been begging for. Come on, we see a society of people that don't want anything to do with God or they have their own philosophies, their own mindsets, and they're going to run their own life. I, don't, I do not want the God's hand removed off my life. Come on. So that's biblically, Paul lays out the wrath of God. It's God. Paul tells us we were all separated. We can't go by the law. The law brings death. Spirit gives life. On and on and on. The foundations of who we are in Christ. And then he comes to chapter 5 and begins to give us some amazing uh, practicals of how we have stance in the kingdom of God. This is the first mention of, of the Holy Spirit in the book of Romans. Romans is a, is a foundation for your life in the kingdom. And the first time the Holy Spirit's ever mentioned in the book of Romans is this verse in chapter 5. It's amazing in implications of what Paul's trying to say the Holy Spirit's job is. And I think this is the first and most important job of the Holy Spirit. It says this in verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in, in hope of the glory of God. And not only that... But we also glory in tribulations. Yay. Tribulations are, are, are stresses or agonies or uh, not small things, but like huge word tribulations. We glory in these tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The title for today is The Law of Love. The Law of Love. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for your, your son. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for the love that surpasses knowledge. Thank you for an ability to experience your love today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for pouring out the love of the Father into our hearts today. Lord, help us to see more of Jesus and to see more of the love of God. Holy Spirit, pour it out abundantly. You don't sprinkle it. You don't, you don't trinkle it on it. You pour it out. Pour it out in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The law of love. I think uh, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we love talking about the love of power. But I think the power of love is so important to us and so important to understand what the Holy Spirit is actually trying to do in the midst of life. I have uh, two boys. I got a girl and two boys. And uh, my two boys have a good friend in the neighborhood down the street. And they've known each other for several years. We, we, we love the kid a lot. And uh, he comes to our house a lot, and uh, they're best friends with him, and they hang out and play. How many know boys will be boys? Come on. And so, you know, and stuff happens. And I'm a, I'm a pastor, preacher, and I talk to the Holy Spirit. So I tell my kids, if you, whatever you, and my wife is, we say, man, whatever you, you do, you, God, we're going to find out. Don't play with me. God will tell me what you did last night, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and so we ask God to tell us stuff. And how many, I mean, listen, my parents weren't praying parents, so I got away more stuff than I should have. Come on, you guys, you, you praying parents out here. Thank God for you, you know what I mean? And so I tell my kids. And so, but just like God's faithful to do, he told us some things and my kids got caught and we found out and they were doing it with the neighbor kid and all this. And so I was gone, but my wife sent me the to proof and I'm like, oh yeah. And I'm like, yeah, boys, man. And I'm like, this, you know, yeah. And so they came back to the house and the kid who's our neighbor came and she, he, he was devastated. He came and talked to my wife and he's talking to her her and he's like, you know, Miss Sandra, he's like, man, she's oh, so sorry. Like, I just, ah. He's just, you know, crying, like hugging her, holding her. He's like, I just never, I'm never going to be able to come to your house again. 
I got never gonna lose my best friends. My friends, I'm so sorry. And like, you know, and I'm like, this is, and then I, my kids are like, yeah, we did it. You know, I'm like, I wish, I wish my kids had some of that, you know, but he's, but like, but they, they're like, yeah, probably do it again. And I'm like, man, I will kill you. You know, it's like, you know, and, 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 and the neighbor's reaction, you know, was, was, was a reaction not based on a relationship built with love. The neighbor's reaction was based on a relationship built with neighborly actions and acquaintances. And the neighbor's relationship, the young man, we love him. And like him, I can't ever come to your house again. And I, I've lost my friends. And many of you relate to God on a relationship that isn't based on love. And you understand God in, in a reactive sense where you don't, you, you're not relating it based on what you've done. You just seen what you didn't think you can never belong again. You can never be back again. And you think God is like this. And the Holy Spirit in this verse is saying, no, no, no. My job is to give you a relationship built on love and built on acceptance and built on actually who you are. And Paul goes in to tell us the stance of who we are. It's amazing. He says, you're justified by faith. This is a legal term. It's actually a, a legal degree or decree, meaning that you were uh, uh, called guilty and found guilty, and now you've been justified in the court of law because of what Jesus did. The word justified means just as if you'd never sinned. That God sees you and, and just as if you'd never sinned. In God's eyes, you've never sinned, guys. If you're in Jesus Christ, in God's eyes, you've never messed up justified, just as if, as, as if I'd never sinned. God sees me as if I'd never sinned. God sees you as if you'd never sinned. Amen. And many of you are still going through and recounting all the mistakes and all the things and all the worries and reacting like, I don't know if I belong and I don't know if God loves me and I I'm concerned about stepping out. And You won't take steps in life because you're worried that God is this God that's still recounting everything. But Jesus says, Paul says, you're justified by faith. And, this, and then the, the, the reaction, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you are justified by faith and now you have peace with God. Not the peace of God. You have the peace with God. You can't have the peace of God until you have peace with God. Many of you were in a fight with God. And you didn't even know it. The Bible says, Paul says that we were enemies of God without hope in this world, separated from the covenants of peace. But now you have peace with God. The battle between you and God is over when you surrender to Jesus. You're no longer an enemy of God. There's no more battle. There's no more struggle. You have peace with God. What did God win in the battle? He won you. He won all of you. And all of you are surrendered. So now you've got peace with God. And it says now, since you have peace through whom Jesus, we have access by faith into this grace. You've been given this justification. You've been given peace. And now it says you have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. You've been brought before God. You can come before in prayer, see him face to face and have access to God. I love that you get and I get access to God. And hear me, many of you live like it's access based on an interview process. Come on, your access to God in this access in this, in this, in this chapter is permanent access, not temporary access, not, not brought before God, being inspected in an interview not you pulling out your best resume and going, da, 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 I did all this. and No, it's saying you actually have access to God, not interviewed by God, but access to the family and household of God. <clears throat> I always explain it by this in the Old Testament. You remember when the families would have to bring a, a sacrificial lamb to be inspected by the priest to make a sacrifice before, Jesus, before, before the, the, the people of God to be uh, accepted by God. They would bring this sacrifice. It was this little lamb. My family and I and my kids, we'd bring a little lamb. We'd bring the lamb up to the priest and the priest would inspect the lamb and see if it had every, everything was okay and it was without spot and without blemish. And then if it was, they'd say it's accepted and they'd sacrifice it. Never once did the priest ever look at the lamb and then inspect the family. 
Never did, it, he, did the priest inspect my, me or, the, or my wife or my kids or those that were being brought. He only inspected the lamb. Many of you are trying to get access to God by being inspected yourself. He only inspects Jesus. He only looks at the blood of Jesus. He only looks at what Jesus did. He only looks at Jesus on the cross and how he took on our sin and our failures. And so now you've got this, this grace that you have access to. And then listen to this, in which we stand. Which we stand in grace. If you're not standing in grace, you're falling in the flesh. Meaning you're not making vows and resolutions and your fleshly commitments to God. You can't keep any of those. It's saying that we stand in grace. And the word stand is a continual stance. We continually stand in grace forever and ever and ever. Here's the thing. like However you start a relationship is how you maintain the relationship. That's why this is so important. That's why many of your spouses right now sitting beside you are a little upset because you started the relationship with love and poems and, and candlelight and massages and songs and come on, somebody. But people are frustrated because you haven't maintained the relationship. I'm guilty too. Come on, I love you, sweetie. I asked her to go on a date tonight in the third song and she was like, we have a block party. <clears throat> it's like, that's right. We can slip out early, you know. <laughs> we, you know we, and, and so you're coming to God. You started the relationship with grace and love songs and love notes. And I'm so thank you for loving me. But now you think somehow you've got to ma maintain the relationship with your ability to check things off the list. And you've got to come to maturity and come to perfection based on your abilities. You can't maintain the relationship like that. You've got to go back to your stance in grace. We have a stance in the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God. Man, the standing in grace means I don't have to prove myself worthy to, of God's love. God is my friend. The door of access is open to me continually, always, always open, no matter what I'm doing or what I'm going through. I'm free from the score sheet in God, from tallying up the accounting of do good and didn't do good and messed up and didn't. I'm free from all that. And most importantly, I can spend more time praising God than hating myself. When I stand in grace, come on, the worst type of inspection is self-inspection. I know the Bible says, you know, inspect yourself to see if you're in this, in this thing called salvation. Yeah, but that's just a, a one-time context. See if you're in salvation. Like, see if you got it. Like, make sure you're right with Jesus. But it doesn't mean you inspect yourself daily with a tally sheet to make sure you're okay with God. We can't maintain that. And, and, and we're standing, and I'm praising God and not hating myself all the time. I'm telling you, if I, if I inspected myself every day, that's why some of y'all are so down all the time because you inspect yourself so often. You know, you hit what you aim at. Any sport, psychology. I mean, that's why we behold Jesus and his grace and his glory and his life and his goodness because I want to hit what I aim at. I don't want to inspect me. I want to look at him so I can attain to who he is by his presence and his glory. Y'all with me? I think that we stand in grace. And then Paul says, and in all that now, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in this hope. It's amazing. We got justification. We're standing in grace. We have access to God and we rejoice. But Paul knew people were saying, oh, Paul, this is just pie in the sky. This is future. This is like just this lofty thought of who we are eventually one day in heaven. And Paul says, no, no, no. Let me get real practical for you then. Let me apply it to your life today. And he says this, and not only that, verse three through four, and not only that, not only do we rejoice in the glory of God and all of our standing in heaven one day and our access to the Father, it's practical now. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. 
Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. This word tribulations, I mean, inconveniences. It's not just that. It's like agonies and turmoils and stresses. We glory in that. Like, really? Do y'all really? Like, do I really? No. Like, <laughs> it's saying that somehow that we know that tribulation works, stress works, agony works to produce this perseverance so we can actually glory. Like that's part of our life, part of our existence is not a stress-free, tribulation, agony-free life. I mean, think of it. The emblem of our faith is a cross with a man hanging on it, bleeding from his body, screaming out, come follow me. Shouldn't we have a little bit of a hint that there's going to be some trouble involved in this? I mean, that's a little inclination that this thing's not going to be so easy, right? I mean, the forefather of our faith was circumcised to get into the thing by faith. I mean, they had to cut him and he bled. He's in this late 40s, 50s. I don't know what, what age it was about, but he's, he's cut and circumcised and bled. Faith and blood go together. And, and it's important that we know the Holy Spirit in all this because he's the one that keeps telling us God loves you. God loves you. God loves you because the agony of the soul, the place that we're cut in, it's not circumcised in the flesh. It's circumcised in the heart. It's the dark room of the soul. It's the pain, the agony, the tribulations, the stresses, the fears, the things that we all go through that no one's exempt from. I don't care how rich, how poor, what side of the street, black, white. I don't care foreign or domestic. We all have the agony of the soul, the pain that's in there. I don't care. It might look filtered. It might look good. They might prop it all up on social media, but they've got the same pain that you've got and they're enduring something that we don't know about. We see people all the time. Well, I wish I had what they had. You don't know what they've endured. You don't, you don't know the cross they've carried. We all have it. Write this down. Our greatest faith is developed in the dark. Come on, the dark room of the soul is where God does some of his greatest work. And the thing about God is he can deliver you from it, but he can also deliver you in it. He also can deliver you with it. And sometimes we want this life that's free of trials. And Paul's saying... You don't get to choose the pain that God uses to shake you and shape you. You don't get to pick the agony in the dark room that God uses to develop you with. We all have it, but you have to understand and know the Holy Spirit in the midst of it. He says the Holy Spirit comes. I don't know what it is you're facing. Come on, I don't know what the weight bench is of your soul right now. I don't know what the gymnasium of your faith is right now. Come on, all the things, you're, the tribulations are the gymnasiums of your faith. So important for me to tell you this because if I don't and you think it's just going to be easy and you're just coming into this thing and it's just come to church and go home and go to work. And come, if you just think it's going to be easy. You know, last night I'm driving to a friend's house. And I, went, I didn't say this in any other services. I'm going to a friend's house to a little uh, UT uh, thing and, and uh, going about 45 miles an hour over in Farragut on Grisby, Grisby Chapel Road. And a, and a dude dressed like a vampire jumps out in front of my car and tries to commit suicide. That's not a normal day. I mean, I mean, there's if we the things that we go through. I mean, if we don't if we don't know the Holy Spirit's for us, if we're if we're just if we, you know the, the things of our faith, if we're not getting stronger, we face stuff. I mean, it's, it's you're gonna you're gonna think God's abandoning you. You're gonna think God doesn't care. The Holy Spirit in this text, the very first mention of Him is to pour out the love of God to tell you, I love you, I got you, I care for you, I know you, I'm with you, and let me pour it out so much that you never question my love for you. Because you're going to face some tribulations, but they're going to work perseverance and patience and, and joy and hope. And 
Maybe it's a marriage that you didn't expect to turn out the way it did. Maybe it's a spouse that's different than you thought. Maybe it's a child you're having trouble with. Maybe that thing in your soul is an expectation that was never met. Maybe it's a feeling that you're not good enough and you'll never measure up. Maybe it's, I don't know, but it's normal to all of us. It's where God makes us strong. It's where we get marked by the glory of God. Listen to me. It's where we stand in here and worship without being hypocrites. It's where we worship with tears rolling down our face and we're not worshiping for crowds or cameras or even crowns. We're worshiping with tears on our face because we know the things we used to cower at, now we stand under. The things we used to bow down and fear, now we walk through with faith because we know that God loves us. Man, I got goosebumps just thinking about that. And I have to tell you, because if I don't, you're going to think it's going to be easy and you're going to question God, God's love for you every time you face something. I don't think it works patience naturally. Come on, naturally, when traffic's bad, I'm stressed out, ticked off. Come on, when I'm trying to take that left turn into Starbucks up on Cedar Bluff. Man, y'all know y'all ain't going nowhere. You're not going to give me a little gap to ease in and get some coffee, sucker. You see my blinker. I hate you right now. You could back up. There's no, the traffic's not, y'all know what I'm talking about, that left turn. Come on, you see me getting coffee. Quit judging me. It's not working patience, not in the natural. I mean, in the natural, I'm getting angry. In the natural, you ask somebody that lost a child early and buried them if it worked patience, naturally. You ask them if it, if it worked patience when they had a chronic disease or a deadly diagnosis. You ask them if it worked patience in the natural. No, no, no. In the natural, it works bitterness and anger and, 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 and unbelief and disbelief and rebellion to God. In the natural, where are you, God? Why? What? How? How could you? The scripture says supernaturally, the Holy Spirit has poured out this love into us where all of a sudden now the things that we used to naturally get bitter about now supernaturally, the side effect of the Holy Spirit saying, no, 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 God loves you and I'm working this perseverance and character and strength and I'm doing something in your life. If you want more hope and you want more character, it always starts with tribulation in God's pattern. You will never get more hope. You will never get more character without starting in tribulation. And that's scary but with the Holy Spirit, it's not so scary because I'm going to lift, I'm going to bench, I'm going to push. We, listen, I would, I would love Jesus to sprinkle perseverance, hope, and character dust on me tonight. <laughs> I would love it. Come on, anybody. Like, like I would love the Jesus fairy to show up tonight. I, I would love to lose 30 pounds in my sleep. I've lost like 35 pounds so far, 30, 32 pounds so far. I would love, yeah, come on. I, I so wish that would have happened overnight. Like, I, I wish the goji berry diet would have worked. <laughs> come on. Oh, you know, come on. Who knows about the goji berry diet? Don't lie up in here. Y'all know. Yeah, just you eat this Himalayan berry for two days and you lose 30 pounds a second. You're as skinny as a Himalayan in two days. You're just why is your face all purple? I've been soaking in go go goji berry juice. <laughs> you know, really? Yeah, it's supposed to metabolize fat from the outside quicker. Is it working? No, but I don't have to pay for tanning anymore. You know, I, it's just like 
Yeah, God, sprinkle me. Sprinkle me with perseverance and character and hope. We have an entire diet industry built off of being sprinkled with some fake fad. No, I've got to get up and go to the gym and get under the weight bench and decide to get back up again and go to the gym and sweat and hurt and cry and have pain and tears and hit plateaus and lose a few pounds and then gain a few and then lose a few and then plateau and then gain a few and then take a, few ground, take a little bit more ground and then get accountability around me and change my intake and change my diet and get people around me that know about faith and know about working out and know about, come on. Y'all with me, third service? Yeah. I love just to wake up strong. Make me buff, Jesus. This is the buff Jesus. It's not, it's not God's plan. And when times hit, listen, the Holy Spirit, verse 5, chapter 5, verse 5, here's his purpose. Now hope does not disappoint. Come on. This hope, the hope that gets built through the weight bench faith. Through the, through the perseverance faith, through the agony and through the trial, this hope does not disappoint. Why? 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 Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. He's saying that no matter what you're facing, no matter how hell it is that you're going through, that there's love in your heart that the Holy Spirit wants to keep reminding you that you're the son or daughter of God, and that God has not abandoned you, that God loves you. Many times we think hope in this kingdom is a maybe. We've attached ourselves to, to people that have disappointed us and things that have disappointed us, and now hope has become a maybe. Maybe I'll get married. Maybe I'll find a new husband. Maybe I'll find a new wife. Maybe I'll find a new job. Maybe, my, maybe I w- won't be sick all the time. Maybe, maybe it won't rain. Maybe, and it's like this maybe. It's this maybe faith. It's this maybe hope. Write this down. Come on. Hope in God is not a maybe. Hope is not a maybe with God. Even though you're going through things, there's no maybe in it. He's poured out his love in you, and now your heart is going, I know I'm going through hell, but there's a love in me, and I know he's for me. I know it's going to end okay. Even though I lost this job, I know a better one's coming. Even though they left me, I know a better relationship's coming. Even though I got to move to a new city, I know something better is going to happen. Even though I lost all my money here, I know I've got a new chance here. Even though... I know he loves me. Even though I've been diagnosed with a deadly disease, I know he loves me and I'm going to stand. I'm going to keep going because he loves me. I don't understand it. It's a mystery, but I still believe for a miracle. Pain is God's protection and promotion, not his persecution. Trials end in triumph. Crosses end with crowns. Come on, somebody. I have a hope in the love of God, not fear, but a hope. Holy Spirit is pouring out the power of God in my heart and the love of God. Ephesians 3.14 says it this way, that he would grant you, Jesus grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened in the inner man through his spirit. Holy Spirit is making you strong. Talking about side effects, making you strong in the inner man through the spirit and that you would understand and dwell, that Christ would dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Holy Spirit strengthening you in your heart so you could actually be rooted and grounded in love, not wonder day in and day out, does God love me? Does he not? Is Christ in me? Is he not? Is he for me? Is he not? No, Holy Spirit's making you strong, being rooted and grounded in love that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints the width and length and depth and height, all the dimensions of God's love. Even though you're going through hell, you can understand all the dimensions of his love to know, not knowledge, but experience, experiential knowing, to know. The love of Christ, which passes knowledge, passes knowledge. What knowledge? The knowledge that you're not good enough. The knowledge that you don't deserve it. The knowledge that we're not worthy. The knowledge that they're not good enough and what they did, they owe. But the love of God surpasses the knowledge of what they did to me. And so I can forgive them. The love of God surpasses the knowledge of my impossible situation. And I know it looks impossible, but God's love surpasses the knowledge of this situation. It's something God's 
going to do in my behalf. And the Holy Spirit is the one that roots and strengthens and grounds us into the knowledge of this love that allows us to be full. And the next line says that we would be full with the fullness of God. It's impossible in our, in our ability to be full of God. So then Paul goes on to say in this chapter, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything you think, ask, or imagine. A lot of times we think it's about our prayers and our desires and our houses and our money and our businesses. No, it has to do with the context of the Holy Spirit letting you know how much God loves you. And that only he can do exceedingly abundantly beyond making that a reality in your life with what we go through with trials and tribulations. And then that you would go out and touch the world with his love. You can write this down. God sent his son so we have the status of sonship. But he sent his Holy Spirit so we have the experience of sonship. Come on, the only one that can let us know we're a kid of God's is through the Holy Spirit. Day in and day out, we need to be reminded. Romans 8, 15 says this, For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. It's a very close, intimate term in small family circles where the child calls the father, Daddy. Daddy, Jesus called his father that. And it says the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to say, Daddy. And sometimes we have to be reminded that he's our dad and so we even have the ability to call out Daddy by the Holy Spirit. But then there's times when all hell's breaking out and we don't even feel like we're part of the family. So Galatians says it this way. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. In this verse, the Holy Spirit's crying out, Abba, Father. In the first verse, we cry out, Abba, Father, by the spirit. In this verse, the Holy Spirit has to cry out, Abba, Father, because we're so far from the family we feel like. We need someone else to remind us and cry out to God. The Holy Spirit does that when we're facing trials and temptations and tribulations. Man, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. If anything I can do today is to get into your mind how much he loves you, that fear and anxiety and stress and envy and backbiting and pain and manipulation and all the things we face would leave our life because he loves us. There was a study by several universities about people who were falling in love. I got eight quick things I'm going to give you, but and I'm going to pray for you. This is what they said about people that are in love. Number one, love alters the, your ability to concentrate. You ever been in love where all you can think about is that person and talking? your friends are like, man, shut up, quit talking about her. Or quit talking about him. It's all you, and, and when you know the love of God through the Holy Spirit, that's all you talk about. That's all you concentrate. That's all you, everything else. You're just concentrating on that. God loves me. I don't know about everything else, but this I know. This I, Jesus loves me. This I know. It's just him. Number two, the second one, this is kind of a cool one. Love makes you intensely happy. The study actually said euphoric, where they studied the brain when you're falling in love. The same chemicals that are released when people take psychotropic drugs are released in your mind when you're in love. And it actually makes you do away with your thoughts of reality and time. Come on, you ever been in love and you drive seven states to get one kiss and go back home and you get home at like like 6 a.m. and go right to work or take a test or something? You're like, man, you're crazy. What's wrong with you? I'm in love. You're bragging about it. Like, we went on a road trip to see my girl, you know, like eight states, 24 hours later, back at work the next morning. You know what I mean? This is not reality. You're in love. Girl brings guy home to dad. What's he do for a living? He didn't have a job. He's going to be a musician. Oh. Well. uh, Well. (laughs) Well, well, how are you going to get money? We don't need money, Dad. We've got love. 
Yeah, you don't need money till you live in a van down by the river for about two months on an air mat. It's no reality. It's no reality. Like, like, but when you're in love, there's no reality, no time. When you know the love of God, it's no reality. Like people say, well, how are you going to do that? I don't know, but I know he loves me. He's got me. How are you going to start that business? I don't know. He loves me. What's your job right now? I know I got a dream. I don't have a job. I got a dream. God loves me. He's going to work it out. I'm not saying don't get a job. Come on, people. God's going to show you the right job. Three, you become less sensitive to pain when you're in love. Man, that's awesome. It actually, science actually shows that your brain releases chemicals and it, it morphs what medication would look like to alter your pain sensories. When you're in love, pain doesn't have the same effect on you. When you know the love of God, when you know the love of Jesus, when you know what he endured, the cross he went through and the love he shed out and he put on you and the love that the Holy Spirit lets you, pain doesn't have the same effect on you. And we can go through things that no one could go through because we know the love of God. Come on, rejection, hurt, fear, abandonment, those things, come on, they're, they're, they're hurtful, but it doesn't stop us. Come on, you become less sensitive to pain. Falling in love makes you walk slower. It's proven. I mean, just like living in the moment, right? Like some of y'all like, hurry, let's get it done. Let's go, 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 let's go. Man, come on, when I first got married, my wife and I take long walks hand in hand. We go jogging hand in hand. Now I'm walking, I'm going, you know, she's like, hey, can you slow down? I'm like, oh yeah, I got a family back here, come on. I've got to intentionally like, she's like, please slow down. Her, my legs, she's like, I can't keep up. Like falling in love, like when I need to make sure I continue to fall in love with her. I got to slow down. It's being intentional, right? When you know the love of God, you slow down. You take in the day. You take in the moment. Come on. The gift of love is the love of now. Every second in God is full of purpose and meaning and packed with significance. When you're going and just rushing through life and don't know the love of God, you miss all the love that God has for you in the moments of life. Falling in love makes you walk slower. The heartbeats of both people synchronize. When you come on, this is this is science. What do you want to eat? I don't know. Whatever you want. Where do you want to go? Wherever you want to go. What movie do you want to watch? Whatever you want to watch. You've been together for a few years. Like, man, why you always pick that restaurant? I hate that food. <laughs> Am I preaching? When you, know the, when you know the love of God, you begin to synchronize with his heartbeat. God, whatever you want, whatever your desire for my life is. You want me to live pure, I'll live pure. You want me to live like this, you want me to move here, you want me to go. I, whatever you want, Daddy. Whatever you want, God. All of a sudden, your heart begins to change and it synchronizes with the purpose and plan of God. Love makes you blind. It's proven there's something called the unconscious attention bias. That when you're in love, you actually look away from other attractive options. Some of y'all need to pray for it because you ain't looking away. <laughs> That's a different, different sermon. When you're in love, you actually look away. You actually have a subconscious bias to look away. You know, racehorses have blinders. Why? So they're not spooked and distracted by what's beside them or behind them. Many of you think God's parameters are, 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 are a problem, but they're actually protection. 
God's parameters of protection. You've got a race to run. Come on, you've got a course you're on. You've got blinders on so that you can look ahead at your course and not get spooked or distracted and looking at left or right. Come on, when you're in love, when you know the love of God, you're looking straight ahead at the destiny that he has for you, not distracted. The only way not to get distracted by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is to look to the love of God daily. You, you can't overcome temptation and sin by looking at it. The only way to overcome that stuff is by looking at him. And knowing how much he loved you. Come on, love blinds you. Seven, your pupils dilate. Scientifically, there are actually windows to the soul that you begin to dilate when you're in love. It's amazing to think, loving and understanding the love of God, you begin to have a bigger vision. And you begin to actually allow your soul to be real with God. Do you know how exhausting fake is? It's so exhausting. But when you trust his love, know his love, and the Holy Spirit shines his love into your heart, you can actually begin to bear your soul to him and be real and to be honest and to be open. Say, God, I'm messed up here. I need help here. I need, your, I need your life here. I need your love here. And the last one, and I think this is really my favorite, love makes you braver. Love makes you braver. You know how, how it is when you're trying to win a girl? Come on, guys. You'll do stupid stuff, crazy stuff to get her attention. Just braver. Like, when you know the love of God, you take more risks. You take more chances. You take more, more risks at failure. When you know God's love, you'll step out. Come on, I know there's still fear there. You know, fear and faith can coexist for some, some amount of time. And all of a sudden, you begin to understand the faith of God. And you fight anyway. You crawl anyway. You go anyway. Even though you have fear, you're brave to take those steps because you know He loves you and has you. Some of y'all have businesses in you that you're scared to start. Some of you have dreams and, and, and relationships in you that you're scared to, to begin. Some of you have next steps in your walk with God you're scared to go into. But faith, but this love for him, this love of his will allow you to take those steps. Some, some of you, and I, I would say this today, you need to get brave. Like you're living and grinding out on the ground when God actually wants you to be up here. You remember the Wright brothers? They had no education. Others had failed, but somehow they looked at an eagle in the sky one day and said, we belong up there. How? Like what? What was it? They, 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 they surely were grounded by gravity and somehow they decided to challenge the law of gravity. And when they did and they succeeded and got up to a certain place, they finally broke the law of gravity because they entered into a greater law called the law of aerodynamics. The law of love and God and the Holy Spirit is a greater law than the law of religion and man and the limitations that situations have put on you. Come on, the law of love and God will let you be up there. I want you to revision yourself up here today. Come on, remember the, the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years and I'm done with this thought. Listen, think about her like somehow all of her history, all of her background, all of her upbringing, all of the religious law, man's law, it said you can't touch the priest if you have an issue of blood. You actually have to walk in public and go, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Don't touch me. Many of you live like that secretly and sometimes hourly. I'm unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. And you isolate yourself from others and from God because you don't think you're good enough. And this lady lived like that because this law said you can't touch him. And then here's Jesus one day, the priest, walking in a crowd of people. And this woman who had been taught this law and grounded by gravity of this law saw Jesus. And something in her said, if I just touch him, if I just, there's a love in him. If I just touch him, everything can change. This is my moment. This is my day. Everything can change if I get to his love. And the Holy Spirit is wanting to pour out into your heart that this could be your moment. This could be your day. This could be your changing point by the love of God. I just want you to be able to be here, not just down here. Come on, sometimes the law has to get broken 
to get to a higher law. The law of love is the highest law in Christ. And if you stand with me today, I want to pray for you. Some of you are in this room and you're uncertain about God's love. You've been through hell. You've been through agony. You've been through diagnosis. You've been through so much. Come on, you used to say, God, are you even, do you love me? Do you remember me? If you're going to be honest, you know, you're like, man, I sure haven't had patience work through this. I've just had more maybe bitterness or maybe envy or maybe anger. I don't know. We all face different emotions by different things that we face. And God's just trying to tell you today by the Holy Spirit that I want to remove fear from you and I want to shed my love and pour my love out in your heart so much that you never question if I'm in it or I'm for you or with you and again today's your day no one's looking around if you just say Jamie pray for me I need I need a, I need the Holy Spirit to show me uh, supernatural love a knowledge that, that's, that's experiential today because I am questioning I have wondered I have been uncertain but I'm ready to settle that today I don't want fear I'm ready to step out in faith today's my day just put your hand up to me right now if you know that's you say, I just need to know the love of God and the things I've been going through come on across this room Father, you see every hand, you know every life, you know every scenario, you know every tribulation we're facing right now. Lord, we all have the things we're enduring. I pray that you would turn every cross into a crown, every trial into, into triumph today. I pray that individuals in this room, by your spirit, not my, not my talk, not, not, not any power of our own, but Holy Spirit, pour out such a tangible love into our hearts, the love of a good father, of a godly, loving dad. Lord, pour that love into our heart today so that we can know without a shadow of a doubt it will never be uncertain how much you care and love us. No matter how bleak it looks or no matter what we're facing, you've got us. Remove anxiety and fear and bitterness and anger by your love. The law of love. Remove our, remove our judgment of others by the law of love into our own hearts. Remove the pain of what they did to us, God. Supersede what happened to us with your love so that we can actually walk free from unforgiveness and bitterness. Lord, thank you for a higher law than gravity. Thank you for the law of aerodynamics today that would let us soar. Come on, hands across this place. I believe every hand that went up that you're going to step into a new place in God today by his love. No one looking around last, last thing this morning. If you're here and you know you've never surrendered to the love of God, the love of Jesus, you've just never given your life to Jesus, you're not a Christian, maybe you, maybe you walked with God a while back and now you're away from him and you know you need to come back to God, or maybe you never gave your life to the love of God. I'm not talking about giving your life to religion or church or or regulation or rules. I'm talking about giving your life to his love, to Jesus Christ. The love of God was Jesus going to a tree, dying, being brutally beaten and bleeding and dying for you and I to remove our sin, our shame, our guilt, and to make it like we'd never sinned so we could experience the love of God. If you're here today and you need a fresh start with God and you want to surrender to his love, today's your day. Today's that moment. It's like it's that time for you. I'm going to ask you in a second to put your hand up to me on three. But if you know you need that fresh start, the Bible says if you would just surrender to Jesus as your Lord, that you could have a fresh start in God. Nobody looking around, heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm not going to embarrass you. On three, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up to me. It's your time. It's your moment. One, two, three. Would you put your hand up to me right now if you need a fresh start? Come on. God bless you, sir. God bless you, young man. Anybody else? God bless you. I need a fresh start with Jesus. Come on. Anybody else? Just take a second. Awesome, 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 sir. God bless you. Come on, church. People saying yes to eternity right now. Come on, thank you for praying. We're praying together right now. I'm going to pray a real quick prayer. If you put your hand up, just pray this prayer with me in your own words. 
It's as simple as that. And God's going to give you a brand new start and a fresh relationship with him. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for that kind of love that would die for me. Thank you for dying on that cross, for removing all my sin and all my shame and all my guilt. I accept your love today. Thank you for raising from the dead to give me your life and a new heart. Lord, I surrender. Be the leader and be the Lord of my life. I want to do it your way. I trust your love. No matter what I'm facing, I give you my life the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. Give God praise real quick. I love y'all. I love third service, man. Y'all get me fired up. And so I know, I know sometimes I keep you a while. Thanks for being hungry for the word of God. If you said yes. To-